to Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have everybody back again for the final show of the week. Good one coming up. Ben Gessling, Vikings beat writer for the Star Tribune, will join me here in just a little bit to set up the Lions game on Sunday. Interesting game, I guess. Um, Vikings have a chance to clinch the NFC North. The Lions have been better than they had been in previous years, kind of playing better as this year has gone along, and I actually favored in this game the utter lack of respect for the 10 and 2 Vikings continues but uh you know we'll we'll get to that with Ben here in a little bit some of the big storylines there maybe some of the uh, some of looking ahead to you know a postseason that seems all but guaranteed at this point um even if they don't win this game the Vikings they'll have numerous opportunities to clinch the NFC North and have a very good chance of being the number two seed at least in the in the conference playoffs but uh We'll get into all that with Ben in a little bit. Um, got to talk Baker Mayfield at the end of the show as well. My goodness, what he did on Thursday Night Football, making people actually care about Thursday Night Football for just a few minutes at least uh, with his new team, the Rams. That was uh, that was interesting. We'll get some gopher basketball and unfortunate gopher volleyball talk as well. They lost to Ohio State in the Sweet 16 on Thursday. First, though, what did I miss? Happy Rudy Gobert going back to Utah night for those who celebrate um, the Timberwolves center. Coming off probably his best game in a Wolves uniform, 16 points, 21 rebounds, three blocks, including the game-saving block against Indiana. Buddy Heald the other night. Um, going back to where he played you know, almost a decade in the NBA before the offseason trade to the Wolves. Wolves at Utah tonight. Sparking, um, not surprisingly, a lot of Rudy Gobert thoughts from a lot of different people. I believe he will address the media in Utah a little bit later on, well, on Friday morning. But I found myself thinking about the trade, maybe you know, even before this milestone of, of you know of uh, of Gobert going back to Utah to play his old team, and I found myself thinking about it in the context of the past, the present, and the future. So I just want to share some of those thoughts with you right now. Let's start with the present just because that's that's the easiest one. That kind of sets the basis for where we are at with the Rudy Gobert trade. Timberwolves 12 and 12 right now. Not the start they won, but not a disaster by any stretch of the imagination. They can still have the season they want to have with a 12 and 12 start. My question is this, would the Wolves still make the Gobert trade if they knew how this season, how if they knew how this was going to look after 24 games. And my the answer I came up with in my head is probably, um, again, not the start they, they dreamed and hoped for. They gave an awful lot to get Rudy Gobert, the four draft picks, Walker Kessler, um, you know, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, a lot of the heart and soul guys, a lot of the defensive players from last year's team that made them so successful um, down the stretch, got them in the playoffs for the first time since 2017-18. So, yeah, I don't take that lightly, but I still do think, even if we haven't seen the full evidence of it yet, I still do think that the Gobert trade elevated their ceiling. Um, I don't think it lowered their floor necessarily, not for this year anyway. It maybe maybe lowered their floor for future years in terms of you know not having all that draft capital, some some worries about what those picks might turn into. But for, for right now, if your pursuit is a championship or at least meaningful, sustained top you know top four comp, com, competition in the Western Conference, 
Rudy Gobert raised your ceiling. Now, again, we haven't seen it yet. It's been a little bit clunky so far. Maybe that's an understatement. It's looked better without Carl Anthony Towns in the lineup, which uh, is a little bit of a concern, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but it, it, all in all, I still think there's enough potential here for what Rudy Gobert can do that it was worth their while. You're, you're the Timberwolves. You're not going to get players, by and large, to come here in free agency. You've got to strike when there's an opportunity to make a deal. Maybe Gobert wasn't your first choice for who they would go after as a superstar in that kind of cat in that kind of class, but um, that's the one they got, and they're trying to make it work. Now, again, it's been clunky trying to play him and Towns together. It's been clunky getting all five of their starters to mash, and it hasn't even really been Towns and Gobert that have been the problem so far. It's just been the, the all five and how that's looked together. And again, since Towns went down with that calf strain, it's looked a little bit better or looked a little bit more fluid than that. Uh, that is something I'll get to in a minute. Now, the past. If it was a different leadership team in charge, would the Wolves have still made the Rudy Gobert trade five months ago? Let's say uh, let's say they hadn't gone out and swung for the fences and gotten Tim Connolly, the, the, uh, the executive that ended up making the Gobert trade. What if they'd stuck with Sachin Gupta, who had, who had stayed in charge after Gerson Rosas was fired? Let's say Gerson Rosas never got fired, never... never uh, had to cite all the things they cited for getting rid of Gerson Rosas. Would Rosas or Gupta have made the um, Gobert trade? And I go back and forth on this one because I know Rosas often talked about, you know, the importance of acquiring top end talent, of acquiring star players. That was that was his whole theory behind the pursuit of D'Angelo Russell, which didn't work out all that great for the Wolves. It hasn't again hasn't been a disaster, but Russell for what he makes, is not the most efficient player, nor has he been the most effective player, at least consistently. But that was part of the Rosas mantra. However, part of the Rosas mantra, and by extension, part of the Gupta mantra, um, is uh, you know efficiency, offensive efficiency, three-point shooting. Now, Gobert's a very efficient two-point shooter because basically all his shots are around the rim, but I have a hard time thinking that Rosas would have pursued... Um, Rudy Gobert, just because he's a big man who can't shoot the three, and these in, in the modern game, is that too limiting? Would that have been a fit here under Rosas? I don't know that it would have been. I think he might have, if he was looking to add, it might have been someone in the back court, might have been someone um, in the front court who could shoot just like Towns. That was kind of his, you know, when we were talking about pursuits before, um, you know, that was always kind of the guys they were looking at. So that's an interesting one for me to ponder. Obviously, he. You know, Connolly was the guy in charge. He made the trade, so it's it's more of a thought exercise than anything. But that that struck that stuck that sticks with me um, as we think about the past and the Gobert trade. Now, the future of the Gobert trade. This one's this is where it gets really interesting to me. Would this trade make more sense if you know there's another big move yet to be made? And I don't know exactly what that is, but I think these next you know four to six weeks with Towns out are going to be very interesting because. If they play really well without Carl Anthony Towns, let's say they have a winning record, let's say the offense flows, it will be very interesting to see, A, how it looks when he comes back, and B, whether that influences their ultimate decision this offseason to maybe pursue a trade of Carl Anthony Towns. And it's just kind of been sticking in the back of my head all along that a Towns trade Maybe wasn't inevitable, but that was that it was a contingency when they went and got Gobert, when they signed Towns to the extension, the supermax that he couldn't get anywhere else. 
Now, they can't trade Towns till July because of the nature of his contract, and I don't think you would trade him any sooner than that anyway, and I don't even know if you would do it then um, because of the nature of that contract. But uh, it, it does stick with me that maybe the, the master plan, the grand vision, wasn't pairing Gobert and Towns, but more here's here's a guy who fits a system a little bit better. Maybe you recoup some of that draft capital. Maybe you, you get one more kind of cornerstone player in a deal for Towns. I don't know. I think there's a lot of year to play out. It's, you know, the only thing we know is the present right now, Wolves 12-12 and going into Utah. Gobert coming off a very good game. We'll see how they do, you know, for the rest of this calendar year and until Towns comes back. We'll see what happens when he's back. But these are all things I'm thinking about, and I don't think I'm wrong to be thinking about them because this was such a big deal, such a massive trade, and I do have to wonder if there is more to come. In more clearly defined basketball news, Gopher men's basketball team is not good. Lost to Michigan 90-75, to score not indicative of how lopsided that game was. Gophers were down by more than 30 points in the second half as fans started streaming out of Williams Arena. Ben Johnson's got his work cut out for him. This is not the team he has. Uh, this is not the team yet that he wants um, we knew it would be a learning process, a building process, but it looked better, frankly, at this point last year, which is a little bit of a concern. So let's let's see what happens the rest of this year, next year as he builds this thing up. Got a lot of good recruits coming in next year, so I get it. But that was a discouraging one against Michigan on uh, on Thursday night. Um, part of it is a tough day for Gopher sports in general. Gopher women's volleyball team loses in the Sweet 16 to Ohio State. Watched a good portion of that match. Thursday morning as I was working, um, you know, Gophers took the first set, got off to a big, a good early lead in the second set. Looked like they might have had some momentum, and it was all Ohio State from there. Ohio State just had some big, big hitters in the, in that lineup. Get up high on the outside and just hard to stop. The Gophers' block was doing well in the middle, but uh, when it got to the outside, things were just getting kind of getting haywire. They just didn't have an answer for that. So end of the season, end of the Hugh McCutcheon coaching era. He is resigning now at the end of this season, and that end of that season is now. So another really good year for the Gophers, another really good year for that program, but it is over now. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's bring in Ben Gessling right now, Vikings beat writer for the Star Tribune. Um, ben, it's second Lions game, which it's a weird, it's always a weird, uh, a weird time when they play the Lions for the second time. It feels like something usually has been decided or or something else is or something weird is about to happen. You think about last year's Lions game, they lose to a winless Lions team and really kind of sets the course for where we are now with Kevin O'Connell as the head coach. I mean, that wasn't officially the end for Mike Zimmer, but it was unofficially the end, especially when they couldn't make the playoffs. And that game certainly played a key role in that. If I, by the way, Ben, I was thinking the other day about just the coaching search and how Michigan now in the college football playoff with Harbaugh still there yeah. and O'Connell doing this, it worked out pretty well for uh, for both uh, for all parties involved. Maybe not quite as good as the Justin Jefferson Stefan Diggs trade, but uh, what a, what a weird uh, kind of uh, thing to think about about how things could have turned out differently there. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I almost forgot about the Harbaugh thing. Yeah. And it's it seemed like that was, you know, we, when the name comes up at the time with Harbaugh, it's like, oh, this is going to be the guy. But I don't think it, it didn't sound like it went as well in the building. That's no. kind of the perception would have suggested given who it was. But yeah, I mean, everybody, I think, got where they wanted to be uh, in terms of Jim Harbaugh and Kevin O'Connell. Not so much Mike Zimmer, obviously, but uh, yeah, that game last year was sort of the beginning of the end. And if you remember the first one, yeah, last year the Lions, they gave up a two point conversion to go behind. That's right. That was with, the that yeah. was the you like that. Game. Yeah, was the, the you like that the, game, wasn't it? Cousins Zimmer celebration game or the I do like that dot, yeah. dot, dot, game. We could call it that. Um, yeah, that was that one. Because yeah, that when they went down in that game, I know there were people with the Vikings thinking, "Oh boy, this might be it." Because I would have taken my take to one That's or four. Right. Yeah, and uh, that might have been the end. So yeah, there's been plenty of eventful moments with the Lions. Even, even though we kind of typically talk about, well, the Vikings Lions matchup doesn't have as much juice. You could argue that it may have less juice historically than any matchup in the division. Yeah. Packers Lions have the Thanksgiving history. Uh, Bears Lions. It's I maybe you'd argue that one because um, it's those teams haven't been terribly relevant recently. But they have a lot of history though. Those those franchises have been around for a while though. They probably played yeah, for a long yeah. time. So the Vikings are the youngest franchise in the division, believe yes. it or not. But and obviously Vikings Bears Vikings Packers has quite a bit of history. And Packers Bears, of course, is the two winningest teams in NFL history. Um, play who just played on Sunday to, to decide that. So you typically think of this one maybe as like the, the redheaded stepchild of division rivalries, but certainly in recent years, it has had plenty of, uh, plenty of intrigue. Yeah. You know, a lot of, different, a lot of different matchups. And I think this game is interesting. I don't know if there's for the Vikings, it, it still feels obviously like there's something at stake. I mean, they can clinch the division. Like we've talked about, they can clinch the division with a win in this game. And then the Detroit is there next closest pursuer and in fact the only team that can still win the division aside from them but there'd be even if they lost this game in Detroit there's multiple uh future opportunities to clinch Detroit kind of hanging out on the fringes of the playoffs but you know also if you're the Vikings they would also clinch with a tie that's right they would clinch with a tie which which would be befitting of this rivalry to to have a game end in a in a weird in a weird, uh, unsatisfying tie, but yeah, that would that would be that would be quite a way to clinch a title by by getting a tie. Be kind um, of fun. That would be kind of fun. There, of. Was, there was a tie last week, right? The Washington yep. and the Giants, which you know could I bet they'll have playoff implications by the time the year is over, at least in the wild card race. But uh, yeah, so what whatever's at stake here? I mean, they're they're probably you know I I, I think if you're a Vikings fan. You you still look at Philadelphia and say, yeah, well, maybe they could catch Philadelphia. They've got some tough games. They've got the Giants twice. I think they've still got Dallas. But by and large, that, that's a tough hill to climb because you basically got to make up two games out of the next five to 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 get that number one seed. So in all for all intents and purposes, you're kind of playing to get better. Like Kevin O'Connell said, you, you should kind of be leaning into your strengths this time of year. Um, but still, Detroit is a better team, I think, than they have been in the past. and could you know with one different outcome we we could actually be talking about them as a potential you know more serious playoff contender they just have have had a hard time getting out of their own way in very lions-like fashion this year including that first game against the vikings this year 
Yeah, I mean that that has been the story of that team for for years, obviously decades probably, and certainly it's happened at times this year where they just haven't been able to finish games and haven't been able to make the plays to win them at the end. Kevin O'Connell has talked about this quite a bit in terms of the situational masters, situational mastery, as he would refer to it, and it has helped the Vikings in a lot of these close games. That one at the beginning of the year was kind of the one that started all of these right. wins, close games. The first two had been blowouts, either the Vikings blowing out the Packers or the, the Eagles blowing out the Vikings. That game, the Lions were flagged, I think, eight times for pass interference, defensive holding, or illegal contact. Vikings, of course, get the game-winning touchdown from K.J. Osborne on former Vikings corner Mike Hughes. So that game was kind of the one that started this idea of, okay, this might be ugly, but we can win with the plays we need to make at the end of these games. And the Lions had gone for fourth downs all day, and then they decided not to at the end. And Dan Campbell was kind of saying how much he hated his own call after the game. So that's kind of what started all of this is you've seen this repeated instance, I guess, of the Vikings doing the things you need to do at the end of these games to win, even if it's not always pretty. And the Lions putting up some impressive numbers at times, but then running into trouble at the end of the games, not being able to finish them. So those those small margins, that's why we sit here with a – a five-game difference between these two teams in the division standings. Yeah. Well, and like you mentioned, I mean, they start, kind of started this run of close wins. And I, I want to bring that up with you because I know you wrote earlier in the week about you know, kind of what the Vikings learned from this last stretch of games where, you know, they play Washington. Then there was that four-game stretch with, you know, obviously some t- a lot of really tough games. You know, Washington, Buffalo, um, you know, the Dallas, New England Jets. I mean, that was a pretty tough five game stretch against five, you know, likely playoff teams, I'd say, yeah. or at least teams that are, that are in the playoff hunt. They go four and one in that stretch. Are we not giving them enough credit for going four and one in that stretch? Because I still feel like a lot of this is, yeah, but they lost to the Cowboys 40 to three. That kind of wipes out those four wins in, in some way. Um, how, how do you feel about them going four and one in that stretch and, you know, beyond what they learned and what that tells you about this team? I mean, I, I guess I'd look at it a little bit as we have been screaming for years, beat good teams, get signature wins, show that you are legitimate. I mean, I can yeah. remember the 2018 season. I remember this was the lead to my story when they lost to New England um, in the middle of that season in, in early December. I basically I wrote they had had kind of one of these show me games every month of that season. I think it was the Rams. At the end of yep. September, I don't remember who it, they they went down to Kansas City and lost to. No, that, that was 2019. Um, I can't remember exactly who they all were, but yeah, they, they Seattle was somewhere them. in there. Yeah, Seattle was the week after New England. That's what got John DiPolo okay. fired. But okay. they they I think maybe the there was a Packers one in there probably. Sure. And, um, you know, some of these teams that had had some equity built up and teams you needed to go beat to show that you were serious and they hadn't won any of those games like basically i remember the the lead of my story was they effectively faced a a final exam or a midterm exam at the end of every month of the season so to speak and they have failed all of them and you know basically they're running out of opportunities to prove that they're legitimately good the fact that they've gone and beaten some of these teams i do think 
matters. I think the fact that they went to Buffalo and won, I don't know that you would have seen them win a game like that in the past. I, the Being able to hold on at some of the end of these games against the Jets to find the plays that they needed to make, I don't think you would have seen that happen in the past. I mean, the, the Cowboys game is uh, a, a fairly big outlier, and certainly it should be one that we remember. It's the second worst home loss in Vikings history. Yeah, They had a lot of things happen in that game that looked like they could come back. I mean, the, the issues protecting Cousins, I think, are real. And I think that could be something that teams exploit in the playoffs. So that should be something that everybody remembers. But at the same time, I think the fact that they won the rest of these games against legitimate opponents, you know, against schemes, I think, that have given them trouble in the past, in, in some cases, both offensively and defensively, I think that's worth something. And, you know, looking at strength, the schedule, strength, of victory, they're near the top of the NFL in terms yeah. of teams they've faced, teams they've beaten. Um, it is all of it pretty? No. Um, it's a, is the margin of victory stuff real? Yes. But we've also wanted them to win games like this to prove they're legitimate in the past. And I think the fact that they have should count for probably more in the, especially the national conversation than it has. I took a quick peek while you were talking there. I think the Saints might have been the other game you were searching for from the 2018 season. Yeah. The Saints were pretty good that year. They lost that game it, 30 to that was 20. Sunday night, wasn't it? I Maybe. can't remember what it was, but Cousins did not have a good game. I think he threw some bad interceptions in that yeah. game. And that one just kind of went were, sideways on him. They, they had gone into that game on a three-game winning streak after the loss to the Rams, and then they... Yep lost that game and then started beating some bad teams again then started losing to the good teams. And you're right, that that year uh, really did lack any kind of signature win, uh, maybe save for winning a game uh, against Green Bay at, uh, yeah. at U.S. Bank Stadium that year. But uh, along the lines of what you're talking about, you mentioned the Packers, or, sorry, you mentioned the, the uh, Cowboys game. That, that brought me to another thing I wanted to ask you about and something I think a lot of Vikings fans have been thinking about, something I've been thinking about, in terms of if you do look far ahead enough into the playoffs, I mean, it's not hard to see that the two losses they've had this year are two two very good teams in the NFC that could end up being on their playoff schedule at some point. Yeah. Obviously, Philadelphia would not be right away based on what, at least based on what's, you know, where the standings are right now. Philadelphia would get that first round by or, or Minnesota would, but one of those two would get that by and it'd be a while till they see each other. But you could imagine I mean, a scenario where they game we were seated right now. I think that's the earliest you'd see those teams play. I mean, yeah. if, if it's seeded the way it is now, they, there would be no path for them to play before the NFC title game. Right. But, you know, you could see a team like Dallas at some point, the team they yep. just lost to. I mean, it's kind of a stretch probably to think that they would see them all that early. But, um, you know, you could potentially see them, you know, by the division round for sure. And, you know, so if you're just thinking about, I wanted to ask you, if you're thinking about teams that the Vikings potentially match up well against or not well against, mm -hmm. you know, is it, is it, are you thinking about specific teams? Are you thinking about specific styles or how do you kind of look at the NFC playoff picture and think, yeah, that's a good matchup or eh, they want to stay away from that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I look at it as which teams, like where are the Vikings potentially fatal flaws and which teams yeah. are going to be the best. It's a good way to look at, at it exploiting those flaws i so the teams i would put at the top of the list that you that the vikings would not want to play i it's hard to unsee what happened against the cowboys yes uh, 
Christian Darrisaw, I would think by that point is probably your left tackle again, if everything goes well, but you don't know that for sure. Um, so I would, but even when he was playing in that game, the Cowboys pass rush was awfully effective. I, I don't think it'd be the same thing, but the pass rush would be a factor in that game. Maybe not to the same degree, but they would be probably at the top of the list of teams you wouldn't want to face. Um, the Eagles, I, I wouldn't put quite as high on that list, honestly. Huh, I think that game in the early part of the season could have been – I mean, they were in that game for a lot of it, and Cousins made some some bad mistakes in that game that cost them a chance to come back. But they had a couple chances in the second half, especially after Patrick Peterson blocks the field goal, to come back and get themselves back into that one. So, I mean, Jalen Hurts would cause problems. I think that defense, with all the veterans they've added, guys like Wimble Joseph – that is a lot for them to have to deal with as well, especially in the middle of that that defense with Joseph and Fletcher Cox. The secondary is really good. You know, Darius Slay had a great night against right. Jared, against Justin Jefferson. Uh, Bradbury on the other sides had a great year. So that's a talented team, but you have seen teams move the ball in the Eagles lately. And Jalen Hurts, I think, is going to be a lot to deal with as well. But I would probably put Dallas higher on the list of teams the Vikings could struggle with simply because of that pass rush. And it's also a team that – and the Eagles have committed to running the ball as well. And certainly with Hurts, that that becomes a problem. But Cowboys, I think Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott, Dak Prescott not getting pressured much, being able to kind of control things on the line of scrimmage the way he has, I, I think that's a tough matchup as well. So – I would put those teams near the top of the list. I'd, like I said, I'd probably put Dallas a little higher. Okay. Um, San Francisco, I would put up there too. I Even with Brock Purdy, if they can figure out how to keep things manageable around him, they have, that team is a lot of talent. I mean, it, the weapons on offense, the versatility of those weapons with Juszczyk and Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it, there's a lot of ways they can hurt you. And they've got a good offensive line. The defense is talented. I, I think that's a tough matchup. Um, and, and maybe it turns into a low-scoring game. Sure. Because Brock Purdy's not going to put 30 points on you necessarily. But I think that's a tough matchup too. So I, I'd put those three. I'd probably go like Dallas. And then Philly and San Francisco, I'd put like two and two A. Okay, maybe. wow. Uh, a little, little down on Philly. I mean, not down, little, but I, I'm interested. Little, I'm curious. Like, yeah, because... They haven't been quite as <clears throat> although they just put a pretty big number on the Titans recently. It was that was a yeah. pretty big lopsided game. But you're right, they've they've struggled a little bit more. They had to rally to beat the Colts yeah. um, a couple weeks ago. So yeah, they're not they haven't, been, haven't been quite as haven't been quite as dominant as they had been lately. Yeah. Yeah. So I it's now if they had to go out there, yeah, uh, that's that's an awfully tough place to go try to win an NFC title game as we've as we've hashtag seen. Two, hashtag two thousand seventeen. Yes. So I don't think that's a great scenario but i think dallas just having seen what we saw would probably be the team at the top of the list you'd say eh, i don't really want to play them so i'd, I'd put those three and then you kind of have this this next tier i guess as i look at it of seattle um tampa bay it's hard to know what to make of them i don't know that you ever really want to play tom brady right. in the playoffs but uh brady's had some bad playoff games in the last couple of years too yeah, they're Brady. they're not as they're not as dangerous as they have been. No. They just have reputation. No. They're just you know, they're yeah, Brady. Yeah, I think one game Brady in it, it's tough. But yeah, they haven't been quite as as dangerous as they've been. But 
So I, I would put the the next group, the Giants, the Commanders, the uh, Seahawks, and the Bucks. probably right now the field comes out of some of those number of teams. Not all of them get in. It's either the Commanders or the Seahawks. But I kind of put them in the next bucket, I guess. The yeah. Giants will see Christmas Eve. Um, they have a lot of weapons offensively and have been like adding to it defensively as well. But um, I, I wouldn't be as scared of them if I'm the Vikings, I don't think. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's a there's a gap between the teams where you'd say, this is a bad matchup, and the teams where it's like, yeah, we, we wouldn't mind this if, if this turned out to be the draw. I think that's fair. I think that's about where I come down on it, even though I think I still put Philadelphia pretty high up there. But you're right, Dallas, the, the way that they, just everything going right versus everything going wrong in that game yep. does give you a certain... Uh, certain quick twitch memory to uh, to not want to see that again um last one, one last thought for you i was looking up as you know um some some numbers we looked at some of these on axis vikings the other day but um found that the vikings have missed 53 tackles this season which is pretty good in terms of the nfl i think it's like at least top half but it compares very favorably to their last couple of seasons, I think last year, this is all pro football, uh, pro football reference numbers. I think it was like 109 mm-hmm. last year, and like 131 yeah. in 2020. In 2020, kind of a weird year. There was, you know, obviously with COVID, there was different, you know, different training in place, stuff like that. But what do you make of that number being so much lower this year? That's a good question. I mean, I, I think you have seen, you know, be, I mean, one idea, and I'm spitballing a little bit here, but when you're in so much quarters coverage, you probably are having more plays where you have defensive backs kind of coming downhill on things. Yeah. I mean, the idea with quarters is that you have more people involved in run support. It's a, it's a pass coverage that allows you to get more guys in run support because the safeties aren't quite as deep okay. as you see in cover two and the corners are, are probably a little more involved there as well. But I mean, that's an idea. I, I think they're, they've been, better probably at keeping blockers off of guys like Eric Hendricks and Jordan Hicks at times. Um, I, you know, some of it may be as simple as taking better angles, being coached to take better angles. Um, they, they don't practice tackling on no, a, that's the thing. a regular basis. So, I mean, you just, teams don't do that. I mean, they, they practice it with, they'll roll like these big, you know, kind of donut things. You try to tackle those or, or have things that you're not, live tackling practice you're finding sure. ways to practice tackling without having somebody at the risk of getting hurt right so uh, it's it's coached it's taught but there's only so much you can do especially during a season i think some of it may have to do with them just putting themselves on a little bit better angles to make tackles and and not give up things that bust open now they have had moments where it's not been very good they missed a couple on uh, on the big run that the Jets had on Sunday on, on Zonovan night. Yeah, I remember that. We saw it, you know, up the middle of the field on a couple of those big plays that they got a Garrett Wilson one as well. So they've had their moments of it. But I I think that's probably what's going into it. I that's a good question. I, I should ask a little bit more about that. But um those are kind of my my back of the napkin theories on it at the moment. Um but yeah it's it certainly has been better. They I mean overall they've just been better at not beating themselves. I mean whether it's turnovers, penalties uh, you know, the tackling stuff you mentioned, special teams has had its issues with Craig Joseph, but even that was better last week. Two minutes stuff's been better. Um, 
yeah, I, I think they've been overall pretty good at not shooting themselves in the foot in a way that's going to cost them games, at least in the way they did it last year. At least in the fourth quarter, that range, we have one more number yeah. I saw. If I can pick your brain on this really quick, there's a sharp football tweet that I saw. This was uh, the difference in explosive plays for and explosive plays against in quarters one through three this year. The Vikings are minus 18 in that category, which means they have 18 more plays of 15 or more yards against mm-hmm. them in quarters one through three than they have for them. And that's near the bottom of the league. That's kind of tells you they're living on the edge a little bit with those yards, at least not not so much the points all the times, but the yards. They are, and and in the red zone, I mean, they're in the middle of the league. They they played great. They played great the last two weeks in the red zone, but they have had some days defensively where they haven't been great there either. So yeah, they're they're kind of dodging the knockout. They're dodging the haymakers, um, at least in a way that lead to seven points. But yeah, they have given up an awful lot of yards, and you've seen some big plays against them and and uh they have not made as many of those especially i think in the run game i mean you've right. seen it a couple times with dalvin cook but they have not yeah. been able to spring him loose for a ton of big plays yeah the big one at buffalo the big one at buffalo is the only one i can really remember like, yeah off the top of yeah my head. He, had a, he had one in miami as okay. well he yeah that's just, right but um yeah it, it's been harder for them i think to spring him for big gains and when teams are trying to take jefferson away you know those are going to be your big sources of it yeah well, we'll see what happens against the Lions. It'll always be interesting. Something weird's going to happen. I know it is. And Ben Gessling will be there to chronicle it from Ford Field. Read all his coverage, StarTribune, StarTribune.com. We'll talk again next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike. Really good stuff from Ben and tangentially related to the Vikings and Kevin O'Connell. Let's finish with the cooler, the Rams. Kevin O'Connell's former team, of course. He was offensive coordinator there when they won a Super Bowl last season. They have fallen on extremely Hard times this season. Not going to make the playoffs unless some 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 miracle happens. Um, ravaged by injuries. Matthew Stafford's been hurt. Um, they just haven't been getting much offensively. So they they get Baker Mayfield off the street, throw him into the lineup. And folks, I you know I'm of a certain age. I remember the Josh Freeman game when uh, when he played for the Vikings, basically with no practice after having gotten signed that week or barely any practice, and they just threw him in the lineup because they were. You know, searching for answers. It wasn't Matt Castle. It wasn't Christian Ponder. They threw, they threw Josh Freeman into a Monday night game. He organized a group of friends to go watch the game at a bar. Wrote an oral history about the experience because it was so bizarre. These are things you do before you have kids. Um, but that game, I, I thought it was. I thought the Baker Mayfield game was going to be a repeat of that, and in fact, it looked like it was. And so I tweeted that. And then all of a sudden, Baker Mayfield leads the Rams on an amazing fourth quarter comeback, down from 16 to three. Basically, just came in off the street, leads him on two touchdown drives, including a 98 yard touchdown drive inside of the final two minutes. I think it was like the longest, the longest drive inside of two minutes um, to to win a game in in a long time in NFL history. So, kudos to Baker Mayfield doing the Josh Freeman experience far better than Josh Freeman did. I don't think it's enough to save the Rams' season, but it does show sometimes that maybe all the scheming and all the stuff, it's a little little bit overblown. If you can play football, go throw the ball out there. Sometimes things just work out, and they did for the Rams on Thursday night. That will do it for me today. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great weekend. Back at it again with Roycey on Monday. 